Hello, this is Jesse Liberty, and this is yet another podcast. Today, I am incredibly pleased to have David Orton out. David bills himself as a program manager for .NET, but I think of him as the primary point man for .NET Maui. Is that fair, David? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to make myself visible for .NET Maui so folks know who to ask questions of. And then I just lean on all the other smart people that I get to work with, and uh, we come together. Sounds good to me. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about .NET MAUI. Um, I am in the process at my day job of migrating our fairly large Xamarin Forms application over to .NET MAUI, which is great fun because we have a lot of custom controls. So, so that's an interesting experience. Mm, yeah. And we uh, make extensive use of a custom map that we do all sorts of fun things on. And so we are learning how to do that with, uh, with MAUI. But um, personally, I am completely blasted by the entire experience between Maui and its improvements and the community uh, toolkit with oh, the yes. code generators. Uh-huh. Life is uh, looking very sweet. Yeah, I was uh, just myself upgrading a project this morning, and it's using the uh, Fody Weaver or Fody Weaver, however we say that, to do the I notify property changed kind of code generation. And I'm like, hmm, do I leave this here or do I replace it with the community toolkit MVVM? Uh, because I really enjoy using that. It's so nice. It really um, is. It really yeah. is. Well, I'm um, glad you're having a good experience. Yeah, no, having a great experience with it. And uh, one of the questions that I'm going to ask you right off the bat is they came out recently with a C-sharp fluent uh, toolkit mm -hmm. for building the UI. Yeah. And I'm on the hook to write a book about .NET MAUI okay. using a uh, non-trivial application, creating as we go. And the question is, this is going to come out in the fall. Do mm -hmm. I demonstrate everything purely in XAML with Fluent C Sharp, just Fluent C Sharp? What's your recommendation? I, I mean, I think that uh, for sure XAML is a, a very safe <laughs> way to go. XAML has been around a long time. We will continue to support XAML in .NET MAUI. Um, the, the thing with the C Sharp Fluent extensions, the, I think the community toolkit calls them markup extensions, yes. um, is that, uh, you know, it's really just C Sharp. So, uh, you know, when I talk to customers who say, you know what, XAML's not our thing, we prefer to use C Sharp for UI, I will often ask them, oh, are you using the community toolkit uh, extensions? And they say, we don't know what you're talking about. They just write their own because anybody can write a C Sharp extension, right? So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a great pattern, but it's not a codified pattern, uh, if you know what I mean. So where MVVM is clearly structured um, and with XAML data binding, and you know value converters, behaviors, effects. It's all fairly well understood. Where do you put your styles? Where do you put your UI? Where do you put your data? That's all a path that is well trodden, right? Um, and so uh, we're, we're certainly not in any rush to upend them. What gets us excited about the C-sharp UI aspect of thing, um, firstly, is that it's easier to learn. It's one language. You don't uh, immediately add a bunch of new content concepts to, to a new developer, right? I'm, I'm speaking about somebody who doesn't have XAML experience, right. hasn't been in the .NET space, and we 
do want to make sure that we're, you know, being accessible to, you know, college students, for example. I, I have my own, uh, well, one college student at the moment, one just graduated, and I've got one about to go to college. I want to make sure that, you know, that uh, what they're teaching in college, kids can pick up today and use with .NET MAUI. So this is a long-winded answer to your question. But um, so we're really in the experimentation phase of, of understanding how customers today use C Sharp for their UI, um, how we might improve it. But we haven't codified, you know, okay, uh, we think you should be putting your styles here. We think that you should be handling the state for your views in this way. Um, but the community is very much leading in this area. So uh, James Clancy has his Comet uh, project that runs on top of .NET MAUI. There's the uh, MAUI Reactor project, uh, which runs on top of MAUI and uses kind of a React-based uh, MVU model view update state management. Um, and there are others. So I, I think it's still a little bit wild, wild west, uh, which is kind of weird to say given the age of .NET and C Sharp. Uh, but there's there's innovation happening in that space. Um, whereas, uh, you know, XAML, you'll be able to use it, you know, from day one. Uh, companies probably are using XAML today uh, for their MAUI and or Xamarin applications. So if I'm, if I'm writing a book uh, in the fall that I want to be immediately useful to everybody and I had to pick one, I think XAML is still the way to go. Um, if I want to write something that uh, potentially upends the industry or inspires, <laughs> uh, I might I might be a little more uh, adventurous and uh, do C sharp. And the nine people who purchase it will thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So I think you want to make sure that you, you hit the broad audience, and, and you know, there's still right. very exciting things you can do with XAML. I, you know, I definitely advocate for uh, C sharp myself because as a product manager, I also want the whole platform to be accessible again to as many people as possible. But um, you know, I, I write XAML on the daily, and uh, I love it uh, because I'm productive with. It. Right, right. Well, I mean, just to stay with this for a minute, we're targeting C sharp developers, not necessarily Xamarin mm. form developers. So my suspicion is that I'll end up showing both, at least in part. And and uh, one of the interesting things is that anything you can do in one, you can do in the other. Pretty. Much. Yeah, I think that they're uh, for sure. I mean, because really at the end of the day, it is all .NET, and you know there is a XAML compiler that does some things that are somewhat unique, but um, it's just really a representation on top of C Sharp. You take a different approach with some things, of course, right? You know, I've mentioned styles and state management. Um, uh, you know, you don't have to follow exactly the same pattern you use in C Sharp that you would have used in XAML. Um, and some things are unnecessary, like you pretty much don't need a value, right? Because it's all C Sharp, so you're just going to do it in line. Um, right. So I think there's there's some mental gymnastics that happen when you flip from one to the other. There's not everything has to be one to one. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be interested to read your take on it when you when you do the book. We're going to send you a copy. We're oh, gonna, please. We're going to hit you up for an endorsement. <laughs> you mentioned Comet in passing. I don't want to get too caught up in that, but can you say what that is? Yeah. So Comet is uh, the brainchild, I guess, of James Clancy, who was a product manager with our team uh, and a longtime Xamarin employee back in the day. And uh, and he and one of the original uh, creators of Xamarin Forms, by the way, which I don't know that everybody knows that. He and Jason Smith were kind of there at the beginning in the inception. Um, and he kind of took the approach of, uh, if I'm going to build something today and I'm going to right the wrongs that I feel I made uh, when I was doing, I'm putting words in his mouth. He's not here himself. Um, right the wrongs that I made when, when we created Xamarin Forms, what would I do today? And so it's heavily inspired by what, what we were seeing at that time from SwiftUI um, and then a little bit 
bit from what we were seeing in Flutter and React Native. And uh, and then, of course, uh, Elm, Elmish, which is a model view update pattern-based uh, kind of a, I think you would refer to it as a stateless uh, state management Um pattern. So essentially, you have uh, one method that creates your UI, you have another method that passes messages, and then you have a message handler, which does the updating of your state and triggers a re-render of your UI. So it's a very uh, one directional loop uh, for state management, which, uh, you know, I hear from developers that use it regularly, that they find that they have less bugs. Um, whereas with data binding and MVVM, you know, I'm not, I probably shouldn't just get nursing. Um, so back to Comet and what James did there is he took that C-sharp only approach and said, okay, well, I'm going to take this model view update thing and I'm going to, for my purposes, make it as easy as possible. So he kind of tucked away some of that uh, messaging that I just mentioned, a handling of the messages and re-rendering of the UI. And he uh, kind of tucked that behind the scenes of Comet. And you just construct your UI, you modify your state, and it handles all the updating for you. And I think one of the really neat things that he did with it is um, firstly, he baked hot reload into it uh, from the get-go. So what that means is as you are debugging and making changes to your code, it does an intelligent diff of the UI and updates it very quickly. I mean, it's like in the milliseconds, which is really cool. And then the other really interesting thing that he did, um, which I absolutely love, is he wrote a VS Code extension comment. And this actually works for Maui apps. It works for .NET apps. It works for Xamarin apps. Um, is that it? Uh, it includes the mono touch debugger, or the mono debugger, mono, the mono debugger, which is the same debugger technology that's open sourced and used for Xamarin and .NET Maui. Um, and he attached it into VS Code uh, with other engineers' help. And you can debug with it, and it also includes the hot reload capabilities for Comet over that debug connection. So with VS Code and your favorite emulator, simulator, or device, you have a really nice tight, lightweight um, experience. So he continues to maintain it. He uh, has since moved on from Microsoft. He works in virtual reality over at Meta these days, um, but he continues to maintain Comet. And uh, I've seen some community contributions over there. It's hosted in the .NET org. Interestingly, not that you asked, but the architecture of Maui that is very decoupled, nice and lightweight and easy to extend was essentially piloted with Comet. So we took the concepts that James put into that. And we said, okay, have, do we like this? Does this solve problems that customers have? Let's bring this over to Xamarin slash what became .NET MAUI. And it is the architecture that we use there. So with these experiments like that, uh, with the mobile blazer bindings stuff that we also have an experiment around, we like to look at it and say, okay, have we learned something here that's useful? And can we cherry pick it into an actual product? Not spin up new products, not, you know, fragment the ecosystem. But let's try to take what we've learned, what's good, uh, and bring it into .NET itself. So there you go. That's kind of what Comet is today. And you know, it may become something uh, with more momentum and more usage over time. And if it does, that's great because, like I said, the foundation of it is MAUI. Um, so there's shared investment there. It's not a whole new uh, implementation of UI for .NET. There are two topics that you triggered for me, and I want to make sure we get to both of them. One is hybrid applications with Blazor 
Peter and Maui. Mm. Let's come back to that in just a moment. What's the relationship between Maui and Uno? Mm, okay. So Maui, um, let's see, from a from a practical standpoint, it is the successor to Xamarin Forms. It is the next version. Xamarin Forms apps don't need to rewrite their whole UI and everything. Um, your, your apps do upgrade with some slight modifications. In .NET 6, when we ship Maui, uh, we took the approach of communicating what we were doing for mobile and cross-platform under a, a singular product. Uh, we kind of had a messaging um, problem, if you will, in Xamarin where folks didn't really know what Xamarin was versus Xamarin Forms, uh, what Xamarin Android, Xamarin iOS. There was there was just confusion. There was too much fragmentation in, in, in the product name. So we said, okay, well, we're going to do .NET MAUI, and that just is the all-encompassing thing for all .NET mobile cross-platform SDKs. So from one standpoint, it is the successor to Xamarin Forms, but it also is an umbrella that that still includes the Android and the iOS, and for that matter, tvOS and CarPlay uh, SDKs and macOS SDKs, the Cocoa one, that you can use independent of the cross-platform MAUI abstraction. Okay, so that brings me to Uno. So what is Uno? Uno uh, is another cross-platform uh, abstraction based on the WinUI 3 toolkit. Um, so they take WinUI 3, and I believe they actually use some uh, some code generators. Um, and they create abstractions across all of the Android, iOS. I believe they also support Mac and Linux, as well as WASM. Um, and uh, you're, so you're writing WinUI 3 code. When you run an Uno app on Android and iOS, they are using the .NET, Android, .NET, iOS SDKs that are part of Maui. They don't use our cross-platform abstraction, but they're using the underlying SDKs. So it's a great other option for .NET developers. Uh, you're still using uh, you know, a slice of our tech under the hood, um, but you're adopting essentially a Windows-centric, Windows-first, WinUI 3 uh, development uh, app model uh, for building your applications. And then you also you gain some additional platforms that they support, like I mentioned, Linux and uh, WebAssembly. Yes. So, yeah. so it's, it's pretty cool. It's very exciting. I love to watch what they're doing because they, they kind of inhibit or um, have it. They kind of uh, show off the startup mentality that Xamarin had before joining Microsoft, where you can go do more wild and crazy things, I guess. Um, so they have like a Figma uh, to, to UI code generator, which is pretty cool. Figma being a, a drag and drop designer. Um, and then they also have their own VS Code extensions. So uh, I'm always eager to see how's it going over there? What are y'all doing? You know, what's cooking in the Uno lab these days? So one of the things I want to check is the Figma to XAML generator. Um, I know the XAML is at least somewhat different from the XAML used in, in uh, Maui. But of course, the question is, can you start with Figma, generate that XAML, and then adapt it to use uh, pixel-perfect Maui yeah. UI? And I think that is uh, I think that is kind of the use case and, and probably the best use case for it. Um, I, I worked for a long time in uh, other vector application uh, packages, you know, Silverlight a little bit, but mostly in the Flash and Flash 
Flux space. And Adobe, once upon a time, came out with products to try to bridge the gap between design tools and code. The biggest hurdle is the round tripping. Right. Um, so yeah, it's great. You can kind of take your design, whether it was created by you or created by a designer, and, and, and get to some actual running code from it. But then, you know, how do you round trip that when an update happens? Interestingly, uh, the, the technology behind this Figma to code to .NET stuff um, started, I, I don't know for sure that Uno is using all of this or any of this, but uh, Figma Sharp is the library that we open sourced and maintain. And it's actually used by the VS Mac team to generate UI, native Mac OS UI from Figma. Um, and of course, using .NET for Mac OS, which is another one of our SDKs. So, it, you know, it's .NET ecosystem community. This is how open source works, right? So um, we're all benefiting. But we also have some experiments that our team has been doing, or at least engineers on our team, like Javier Suarez Ruiz, um, where he's got a Figma to Maui uh, implementation using his Aloha kit, which is uh, graphics drawn. So if you haven't seen that, Jesse, I highly recommend checking that one out too. That I definitely will. Let me switch on you slightly. Um, been reading some about hybrid with Blazor and Maui. Can you just give us a, a quick overview of what that's about? Yeah. So hybrid as a term, of course, has been around for a long time. And typically that means that everything's running in a browser context and you occasionally will hop over to a native context through a bridge, right? You have a, a browser instance running inside of a hosted app and then you bridge over to native code and then you have to translate things and ex access the accelerometer or secure storage or whatever native thing that you were trying to do. The, the thing with Blazor Hybrid is, is that you're, you're writing either just a singular component or the whole application using Razor files and the Blazor component model. Um, but because Blazor all compiles to .NET and really just uses the web view as a canvas to paint the pixels, you actually have very tight integration without a bunch of bridging, no bridging really, as far as you're concerned, between what is in the Razor file and your native stuff. So for example, any of the UI elements that are native to Maui or any of the services that you can natively access from Maui, I mentioned secure storage, we could talk about uh, photo library access, we could talk about geolocation, any of those sorts of things. Um, you can access all that stuff right from a HTML button click handler inside of a Razor file. So we're seeing uh, customers really excited about the Blazor hybrid stuff and being very successful with it very quickly because, of course, the, the, the web rendering and all that sort of thing is a well-established uh, UI toolkit. There are great options. Any Blazor component you find open source or from a vendor, pretty much 99% sure works out of the box inside of a .NET MAUI application when, when you're using the Blazor web view. Um, and you can use it, like I said, in part or in whole and reuse all of your web skills uh, while still having direct .NET access to Android, iOS, Mac, and Windows. Um, so I just did a uh, just did a workshop at Dev Intersection with Maddie Montequilla, my uh, product manager, um, co co partner, and um, we had you know no seventy plus people in the room, and I would say a good half or more were very interested in the Blazor hybrid. More than seventy percent primarily did web development um, in addition to .NET. So uh, we we definitely see that there's an opportunity for it. Uh, we think it stacks up super well, especially against something like Electron. Um, and uh, it's still relatively new getting the word out about it, but we think that it's a great way to go for doing cross-platform apps. And, uh, you know, love to know what folks think. Tell 
so, so let me pose a hypothetical to you or a, or a use case to you, which is that uh, if a company were to build a mobile app cross-platform using Maui, so it runs on iOS, Android, Mac, Windows, and then they decide, you know what, we'd like to have a web front end that talks to the same back end as our other application. And so we'd like to use Blazor. Are they using Blazor? Are they using Blazor Hybrid? How are they approaching? So uh, the Blazor hosting model really is an independent decision for the most part from the Blazor Hybrid application. So of course, uh, if they want to host it uh, server side or they want to host it Wasm, however they feel is best for their application and, the, and what they need to do in the browser, those components still can be made to work inside of that native Maui app that they've got going. And, and you know, we often do find that it's not it's not the whole application that most companies need to run everywhere, right? Like your desktop app has a specific need or mobile app probably shares a lot of the functionality, but a subset. Um, and, and similarly, that, that web application probably has some shared things, but it's not 100%. So making that intelligent decision, that, you know, unique decision perhaps about what UI is is best written and what technology uh, is the way to go. But the but the Blazor hosting model, to my understanding, and you know, I would you know send anybody who has deeper questions on it to Steve Sanderson and Dan Roth and uh, those folks. Um, but the hosting model really is antithetical to what will work in Mount. Got it. That's extremely helpful. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about .NET six seven eight and how they relate to Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, am I right that if you're building an application today, you want to be thinking .NET 7? Yeah, I absolutely would. I mean, 6 is supported until May. Um, so you've got, as, as of this recording here, you've got, uh, what, five months left? Five and a half? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you could you could ride that out. But the the reality is, is that um, .NET 7 is where the... Actually, <laughs> we've, we're already working on .NET 8. <laughs> so, uh, as a matter of fact, if you look at some of our uh, recent release notes, you'll see that we're cherry picking things from 8 back to 7 and then back to 6. So um, yeah, 7 is the place to be. That shipped, you know, several weeks ago now. Um, it is the version that is in every VS release from here on out um, until, of course, .NET 8 ships. And the main focus for us is on the quality improvements, uh, so bug fixing and, you know, stability of the overall platform. So absolutely, today you want to be on 7. And then once we uh, once we ship 8, you'll have, you know, an additional six-month run out of 7. And we're on an 18-month, you know, support cycle with a 12-month release cycle. So you always have a little bit of overlap. But uh, I think the good news is, is the upgrade from 6 to 7. And as I would anticipate, the upgrade from 7 to 8 is essentially just bumping the number. <laughs> and and you're off to the races. We we have really minimal breaking changes right now. So should be smooth sailing. Great. And they track with the C-sharp releases. Yeah, that's, you know, really the, I mean, that, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of the nicest things about this is that every time .NET revs and brings, you know, performance improvements, brings new features to the SDK, whether it's extensions, hosting model stuff, or logging, or I don't know, whatever else, you know, uh, ends up getting cooked up, you generally get to benefit from all of those things on the same day. Uh, and that's awesome. You know, with, with Xamarin, the way that we shipped was very independent of .NET releases in general. So I remember when, uh, for example, .NET standards started shipping and folks were like, oh, when are you going to finally support that standard? And, you know, we didn't really have a time frame for it until customers started asking us for it. And then we made the updates and it was never on the same time scale. 
or when I think it was C Sharp 9, maybe it was 8, there was something new in it. And I remember developers on Twitter were like, when can I use this new C Sharp thing? And I'm like, I don't know, man, we got to we gotta get our SDKs updated. And it was like, you know, months later. Well, now, day one, you get to use all the latest stuff from .NET. You get to benefit from all the performance improvements um, and, you know, not to be overlooked, project system improvements, things that benefit uh, the CLI, things that benefit benefit the command line or well, command is CLI, things that benefit uh, Visual Studio all on day one. So that is has not been without effort, you may have noticed. <laughs> Getting us from where Xamarin was to where we are today. You know, we were, you know, you didn't bring it up, but I'll bring it up. We were six months late uh, shipping on .NET 6 with Maui. But by the time that .NET 7 shipped, we had caught up. So this past November, we were on schedule and now we're in lockstep. Uh, every release, every service release, we're learning new things. In terms of uh, how to improve our uh, flow with with runtime and with core BCL base class library SDK stuff, um, so every release is getting better at this point. Turn the corner, so I'm pretty excited about. That's great. We talked a little bit about some of the community toolkits. There is, if I have this right, there is the Maui community toolkit, the MVVM community toolkit, and the Fluent Marka community. I know that they are independent of Maui, but are is it your feeling that uh, people are safe going ahead and depending on those toolkits as part of their Maui experience? Oh, definitely. Uh, and you, you didn't mention it, but I'll mention it. You've also got the Windows community toolkit. Yes. So, so we actually... Uh, uh, Brandon Minnick and uh, Gerald Verslaus and um, Javier that I mentioned earlier and others uh, that have been, you know, core part of our team joined with uh, the Windows Community Toolkit back before Maui was released and said, hey, you know, we've got infrastructure needs for documentation, for build systems. Uh, why don't we join efforts? And so that all came together. So you do have, uh, you know, they're hosted in Microsoft uh, owned orgs on GitHub. So you have uh, investment from us on them. They are named community toolkits because uh, they are primarily community contributions directly to them. Um, and they kind of run on their own cadence. They're not directly part of the .NET product, um, but we're invested. Um, you'll get primarily support through GitHub on them, which is slightly different than the support agreements that you get for products like, you know, let's say WPF or ASP.NET or MAUI, for example. Uh, but yeah. I would absolutely encourage everybody to be using them. If you've got features you want to see supported in Maui, that's a great proving ground uh, for seeing those if those controls are indeed something that belong in the box. And we will uh, matriculate. <laughs> There's a word. For Particu- bring uh, great segue into my last question for you, which is what's on the roadmap for Maui? What can we look forward to in the short term? So in the short term, it is absolutely quality, quality, quality. So we're looking at the controls that have the highest, uh, you know, issues and reactions from folks on GitHub, as well as we work very closely with both internal and external customers. Uh, and, and the great news is, is that we're hearing customers are being very successful moving through their application development and 
getting ready to ship and shipping. So um, really, there aren't any huge blockers at this point for people being successful using Maui, which is a great indicator. You know, it's it's certainly not the end of the road, though. We want to be making sure that it's, a, it's smooth sailing from people from the moment they start a Maui application until they're through to publishing it. So that means driving down the, the most impactful bugs that are filed, um, things like collection view, giving them the love that they need to make sure that they're performant on all platforms, that they can handle all the different kinds of uh, view uh, combinations that people are throwing at it. Um, and and so bug fixing, bug fixing, bug fixing. And then uh, as we get, you know, maybe into February, March timeframe, we will start to reevaluate our backlog of feature requests. I anticipate today, if I were, if you squeezed me on, um, I would say that there are some key desktop specific things that we need to address that are some pretty clear gaps as you compare to a, a WPF WinForms. So we'll go through our backlog on GitHub and we'll identify what of those are good candidates for us to address in the .NET 8 timeframe. And you know we'll, we'll be ready to start shipping, I anticipate, on .NET 8 previews starting very early on. We'll need to get uh, some ramp up time uh, with the releases, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, in terms of any other thing like mobile related specific stuff, we're certainly looking at what is still a gap for the community. Um, so Xamarin had a, a very rich ecosystem that grew over seven plus years uh, for Xamarin Forms and even more than that for Xamarin Android and Xamarin iOS. So what are the libraries that uh, are necessary that can't be replaced uh, that we might contribute to and see if we can bring those forward? So we've got a couple of candidates, um, but uh, no decisions made on that yet. So that's another possibility for something that we may turn some attention to in the new year. Um, but primarily, we just want to see people being successful with what's already in the box uh, and making sure that that is, uh, that is awesome for everybody. David, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is a, it's a very exciting time to be a .NET developer and specifically to be a Xamarin Forms developer. I think once we got over the panic, we began <laughs> to see uh, a lot of opportunity here and a lot of uh, potential improvement in the programming experience and also in the product. So I'm personally very grateful and grateful that you were able to come today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. And uh, I absolutely agree. I am first and foremost, uh, I'm a developer. All my hobby time pretty much goes towards writing writing a little code. So I'm also very excited about it. 2023 is going to be an awesome year for Dot. 